0: Riverside Healthcare puts the health and wellness information you need well within reach. Today we are talking to Dr. Mehmet Sapahi. Dr. Sapahi is a hematologist-oncologist with the Riverside Cancer Institute. Dr. Sapahi, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Before we jump in, I do want to mention you've been with Riverside for more than 30 years, really.
1: Close to 35 years.
0: 35 now. Almost really a pioneer of cancer care in this region. Yeah. I mean, you really started the Riverside yeah. Cancer Program. Yes. So know it know it intimately, know it very well. Also in 2019, we're a recipient of the Riverside Healthcare Lifetime Achievement. Award. Yes, I was
1: honored to receive that award.
0: speaks to uh, your wonderful experience and all that you've done for Riverside, so congratulations
1: Thank you. on that. Thank you.
0: And we're delighted to have you with us today. And today's topic is colon cancer. And as we were talking before we went on here and started recording, I see it's often referred to as just colon cancer or colorectal cancer. Mm-hmm. Is there a difference between the two?
1: Well, what we generally refer to as colorectal cancer But rectal cancer, because of its anatomic location, below what we refer to as the peritoneal reflection, and uh, in a tight space in the pelvic area, the treatment is somewhat different. But the ratio of colon cancer to rectal cancer is about 2 to 1. So we usually refer to colon cancer and uh, include rectal cancer in it with a few caveats in treatment and management. I see, okay.
0: So with regard to that, if someone suspects they may be having an issue, how would that present? What, what are the things they should be looking for that could indicate a problem?
1: Well, it could be completely asymptomatic. It could be just discovered on a routine blood work. And One of the common manifestations is what we call iron deficiency anemia, especially in adults. That could be one manifestation of it. The most common symptoms of colorectal cancer is uh, presumed to be change in bowel habits, constipation that lasts more than a week, cramping abdominal pain that lasts more than several days. And you may have blood in the stools, or you may have hidden blood, what's called hemocult blood. Late manifestations, unfortunately, is loss of appetite, weight loss, Sometimes you have uh, pain in the right upper quadrant of the abdomen due to involvement of the liver. You can have fever, chills, night sweats. And if it has spread to organs that cause pain, such as pelvic bones, you could have excruciating pain. Oh.
0: So th- the way you described it, if someone is starting to see a significant change in their bowel habits, that yeah. could be an indication yeah. of something. Yeah.
1: And- Especially with unexplained bleeding. Yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of people attribute that to hemorrhoidal bleeding which usually leads to delay in diagnosis. Yeah. So when you have change in bowel habits, weight loss, loss of appetite, and especially with blood in the stools, you, know, you should seek medical, yeah. medical attention.
0: As with all kinds of cancer, early detection is gonna be so much better.
1: It is one of those cancers where early detection has actually led to reduction in not only incidence, but also in case mortality. We have had a decrease in those two entities, except for younger people, where we are seeing increase in incidence of both colon and rectal cancer. When we mean young people, we're usually referring to people younger than 50 years of age.
0: What do you you attribute that to? Well,
1: we don't know. We think that genetic factors play part in it. About 20% of colorectal cancer is familial. There is a family history, and there is some increased genetic susceptibility to malignancy in those two areas.
0: Because this is a digestive system, I'm going to assume that diet may play a more significant role in this kind of cancer than some others.
1: For many years, it's been postulated that red meat and processed meat contribute to colon cancer. And it's been postulated that a more balanced diet decreases the risk of colorectal cancer. The vitamin D deficiency has been associated with increased risk of colon cancer. In some studies, vitamin B6 deficiency has been implicated. But it is one of those cancers where genetic factors play about 20%, dietary factors maybe 20%, and there's still a great deal of unexplained cases of you know, colorectal cancer. Sure. One predisposing factor is the underlying inflammatory bowel disease. If you have ulcerative colitis, the longer you have it, the higher the risk of colon cancer. And then there is Crohn's disease, also known as regional enteritis, which also causes increased risk for colon cancer.
0: So back to the symptoms. If someone is experiencing a change in their bowel habits or some of the other symptoms you indicated, what the best course of action, I'm going to guess, is to see their primary care doctor See the primary
1: care doctor, have a good physical exam, which also includes a digital rectal exam, which is somewhat outdated, but it's still, you know, easy to do in the office. You can do stool testing for occult blood. The oldest test is the so-called guaiac test, that's very cheap. It has increased risk of false positives. Then there's Cologuard, which tests the DNA, which is more sensitive, more specific, but it costs about $500. The ultimate test is, of course, colonoscopy, which is recommended that it be done every 10 years. And if you have a family history, you have colonoscopy somewhat earlier, maybe at 45. But generally, you start at the age of 50, you have it once every 10 years, provided that there are no abnormalities, up to age of 85. Beyond 85, the United States Preventive Task Force does not recommend beyond the age of 85. They recommend that between ages of 75, 85, it be individualized based on the overall health of the patient himself.
0: So, if someone is getting the, the exam you just mentioned that I'm blanking on, Colonos- colonoscopy, colonoscopy. Yeah, thank you, uh, colonoscopy, they're, they're looking for polyps, Polyps, correct? Yes. Polyps. So those could be indicators, not yeah. always, but could yeah. be indicators. There's a
1: special type of polyp called adenomatous polyp, which if left untreated, eventually develops into colon cancer over a period of several years. During the performance of the colonoscopy, any polyp that is detected is usually removed by the endoscopist at that time. And if you see any adenomatous polyp, they usually have you come back and do a colonoscopy again in one year. If that's clean, you do it again in three years. If that's clean, then you do it every 10 years.
0: Oh. Worst case, there is a diagnosis of cancer. Yes. That's something, a hor- horrific word to hear. What do you recommend the first things people should be thinking about if they should get that diagnosis? Well, if there's
1: a diagnosis of colorectal cancer, the first thing that you do is stage the cancer to determine the extent of the cancer and if it's causing obstruction or bleeding, if it has not spread to any other vital organs, the treatment of choice is surgery. This is where colon cancer differs from rectal cancer. For most rectal cancers, they recommend that you have radiation and chemotherapy, and then you go to surgery. That allows for a much more cleaner resection, complete resection of the tumor. For colon cancer, if it's still confined to the colon itself, you go ahead and have the surgery, and then you look at the pathologic findings to see how extensive the cancer is, whether it has gone through the bowel wall, whether it has involved lymph nodes, if so, how many lymph nodes? And then if there's increased risk of recurrence, then you go on systemic chemotherapy for a limited period of time.
0: So as a patient suspects they may have something, they go to their primary care doctor and, and there is a finding, that's when the oncologist would No, that's about? when
1: that's when the surgeon comes in first. Okay. But sometimes the disease is what we call locally advanced, where it's not feasible to do surgery up front. In which case, you can give chemotherapy or radiation and reduce the tumor and then proceed to hopefully curative resection.
0: But it sounds like there's a a lot of collaboration at different levels of care, from the primary, from the surgeon to the oncologist. And that, I would guess, is is key in the treatment of of the disease.
1: Hopefully, with surveillance, with colonoscopies, we will be able to catch even before they develop cancer. Or if we catch it, then it will be early enough so that only surgical intervention will suffice as far as treatment is concerned. Yeah. Now,
0: doctor, we mentioned you've been here 35 years at at Riverside, started the cancer program here. Have things changed regarding colon cancer in the time you've been practicing?
1: Yes. Well, we are doing much better with surveillance. You know, when you look at the public, they have become far more aware of it. Far more patients are undergoing a yearly fecal occult blood testing, and far more patients are undergoing surveillance colonoscopies, screening colonoscopies every 10 years, and we have had, I would have to say, less number of patients who presented with advanced disease, and fortunately, we do not see many of those at this time.
0: Oh, that's good. So we, we want to remind folks, be aware of your body. If there are changes that concern you, certainly see your doctor right away. That's right. And with regard to colon health, if you will, getting a colonoscopy in the prescribed time is very
1: hard. it is very easy procedure to do. I've had it twice. <laughs> <laughs> the sleep is wonderful, the anesthesia is great <laughs> and complications are too few and far in between, you know, to worry about that procedure. Uh-huh. For those who cannot have colonoscopy, there is C T colonography, which is an X ray. And that is just as good, but if you detect polyps during CT colonography, you cannot obviously remove the polyps. You still have to have a colonoscopy to remove the polyps. Those are for select group of patients who just cannot undergo colonoscopy for various other reasons. So even for those patients, there are options available.
0: Anything else you'd want to say to folks that are perhaps researching the disease because they are a loved one that uh, have been diagnosed?
1: Well, I think that when oncologists would deal with systemic disease, their treatment options have increased. We are learning that colon cancer is not one size that fits all. For example, right-sided colon cancers behave differently than left-sided colon cancers. More and more, we are looking into the genetic profile of the tumor to determine if the patient is available for customized treatment, and more and more information is coming forth. So. You should not be afraid of the diagnosis. You just should be afraid of not undergoing surveillance for screening for colon cancer. This is one of those cancers that is treatable, that's curable, and above all, preventable.
0: Very good. And if folks do want more information, they can visit riversidehealthcare.org cancer and learn more about the Riverside Cancer Institute. Dr. Sapahi, thank you so much for your time.
1: Thank you. I appreciate being on the show.